Welcome back to The Process Podcast. In this episode, I'm so excited to share with you a live recording of an amazing panel event I hosted on Earth Day this year. To celebrate this year's Earth Day, I wanted to host an event with several people to offer several unique and personal insights on the topic of sustainability. But I wanted to delve much deeper than just your usual use less plastic and buy less clothes. The title of this event was Delving Deep, the Intersections of Sustainability. And during the live event, we discussed not only environmental and economical sustainability, but also the social and human too. It's something I feel is not widely spoken about or acknowledged and I feel that in many ways a lot of what is acknowledged is restricted to fast-paced modern lifestyles or big city lifestyles where we've evolved to exist in a highly demanding way. Climate change affects us all but it affects us all differently and I wanted to explore in particular communities affected by climate change that perhaps don't do much at all to contribute to its acceleration in the first place. In this episode, we look at small island communities in particular and how they're affected by climate change, as well as environmental migration. We also discuss sea life and ocean health as an ecosystem quite disregarded in terms of importance. And beyond these, we talk about interconnectedness and how we can all be part of the solution to make our planet a more compassionate and collaborative place. This panel event was curated in collaboration with Model Mafia, the Global Fashion Exchange and Selena Hotels, and our panellists include Galila Bekeli, a model and filmmaker, Jenna Goldsack, a model, marine conservationist in training and Sea Life Trust ambassador, Veronica Pomete, a model, entrepreneur and activist, and Patrick Duffy, founder of the Global Fashion Exchange. It was such an authentic and eye-opening discussion, and I really hope you'll enjoy listening in on it. Thank you all for joining us this evening. I'm super excited to be speaking with some really inspiring people, friends and people I've met in the industry and to share with you guys this conversation. Um, as you know, we're gonna be discussing some major but generally overlooked areas of sustainability. So looking beyond things that we can do daily in the modern world and hearing stories from some of the people in different communities around the world and how they're affected differently. So I think it would be best to start with um, you guys just introducing yourselves. So should we start with you, Patrick? Sure, sure, of course. It's an honor, it's an mm. honor. Thank you so much. It's such an honor and pleasure to be here with you. Thank you so much for inviting me into your space. Yeah. Um, I'm Patrick Duffy, founder of, founder of the Global Fashion Exchange. We're, we're, we're a clothing swap organization that's kind of turned into a consultancy that works with um, different types of organizations, brands, you know, municipalities, people to create community and en enact um, sustainability uh, driven uh, education, activation and events all over the world. Um, my favorite happens to be clothing swaps because it, it brings people together. So that's what I, that's what I do. And you kind of encourage people to put them on all over the world as well, right? Not just in New York where you're based. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was kind of, um, that was kind of the idea behind it because when, I'm not sure if, how many of you have ever been to a clothing swap before. Have you guys all been to one or done it with your friends before or traded? <laughs> okay. Well, the, the feeling that you get from a clothing swap is like pandemonium. It's like, you just get so excited. 
And mm. so I remember the first time that I experienced that, that's exactly what I wanted the people that came to clothing swaps to feel. And then I, and I, and I also wanted that. So I wanted that feeling to be connected with how we, how we can take this and, and do good with this and put those messages forth of how to be, you know, an active citizen and, you know, those, those everyday choices that we can make to help make the world a better place. So yes, the idea was that, um, we do them everywhere. So. Amazing. Yeah. So cool. And Jenna next, yeah. what about you? Hi. Um, so I study marine conservation. I grew up uh, in Cornwall by the ocean. So I've just kind of known the ocean my whole life. And, and last year during lockdown, I was like, okay, you know what? I need to start studying, practicing what I'm preaching. Basically I started these ocean chats on Instagram um, and then delved into studying ocean conservation. And through that, I've now got into um, replanting mangroves and coral reefs, which we're starting in the Bahamas next month. Um, so we're focusing on that. I think everyone kind of, I remember during the fires in Brazil last year, was it last year, 2019? Um, everyone was kind of focusing on how that's the earth's lungs and even it, it is obviously, but everyone doesn't pay attention to the fact that it's also the ocean that is breathing for us as well. Mm. And we, have, we, so many things go into the ocean that we don't even think about like agricultural and sunscreen's bad for the ocean. And it's, it's things we don't think about in our day-to-day -day lives, like bleach for the toilet, just little things. And, mm. and that is, is really damaging our ocean. So um, I'm focusing on that side of it. Um, and yeah, we're going to start this huge project in the Bahamas next month, which I'm really excited. I can't, I can't actually give too much away about it until we start. But yeah, that's that's, that's so what my cool. focus is, is, is the ocean and sustaining the ocean. Mm, it's so interesting. It's such an unknown like world, I think, that side of, of it. Yeah. Um, Veronica? Um, I, I'm a model, um, an entrepreneur and an activist. Um, I, I think this line of work was has already has always been instilled in me. Um, I just think that with the um, with the numbers in the recent years and you know all the changes that's been happening, um, it kind of required me to really uh, be a voice for my people in the Pacific mm. um, and to really try to bring more awareness to um, to here in the Western world. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of these things are, are are part of my ancestral history, but I just I didn't realize how important it was or on how much I took that for granted. Mm. Um, and so I see it as a you know social responsibility for me to utilize my platform and maximize um, my voice in any capacity. Um, and that's why I'm here today. <laughs> so interesting. I'm really interested to hear about like your community and and your like how you grew up and everything and like how that's kind of inspired the the way the work that you're doing now as well in the western world bringing that to the western world um and finally galila good afternoon good evening everyone uh, my name is galila and um uh, model filmmaker um it's hard to add activists because it's sort of like you you do what you do and it's labeled as an activism mm. um so that's how i feel um 
my focus has always been in kind of gender equality and education, but all of that came with um, understanding lack of resources, understanding indigenous life, understanding how even listening to all three of you, kind of four of you speak, uh, how it's all connected, you know, the ocean, rainforest. We, it's, it, you know, it's a string that is, uh, uh, that connects all of us. So you do one, you do harm to one, it's gonna affect the other. Um, what we do in the West is gonna affect the East. So I just understanding all of it, it's been very an interesting journey. And um, it's in my films, you know, in, not intentionally, but it just shows up because it's there, mm. you can't avoid it. Mm. Um, so it, it's hard to focus on one thing because it's an ecosystem. Um, it's hard for me to talk about sustainability without acknowledging climate change. Yeah. And, you know, advancement of human, uh, the human advancement in technology, all of that, I feel like it's connected. So, yeah. <laughs> in a nutshell, I, yeah. Right. My perspective. Well, that's exactly why we wanted to speak to you because it's it's something that I think I think is so overlooked, like just how things are so connected, especially in sustainability and how what someone's doing in the West can affect someone in the East, you know, and and how all of our decisions affect each one of us almost, and how different things affect different ones of us in a different way as well. So that's kind of the whole topic for today's chat. Um, so let's start with looking at what does sustainability mean to you? How did you first become aware of specific concerns? Maybe you have personal stories or things that you were personally affected by. And what has been one of the things that really changed the way you looked at the world or understood it or just became like aware of the state that the planet is currently in? Anyone can start. I'm not gonna. I could go first. Um, to me, uh, sustainability is about living in harmony with the, all the living things that you occupy the land with. Um, I think that I became more aware of it maybe in 2018. Um, I am from the South Pacific island of Tonga. It's the last remaining monarchy. In the, in the Pacific. And um, I was able to spend some time with the Royals and they were the ones who were kind of introducing this line of work to me because that's, you know, they are born into a position where their duty is to serve their island. And so, you know, really understanding that we versus me mindset is actually what, um, kind of started everything i think i think all of us as models or you know in the industry that we in we, we have our own personal selfish reasons selfish for a good thing um for getting into the industry that we get into you know but once we get in there we also understand the um the platforms that we have the responsibilities that we have the voices that we have that a lot of most people don't uh, most people are too afraid of mm -hmm. um and so you know, um, in 2019, I was the first uh, uh, Sports Illustrated Tongan model to be featured in the magazine. And that, mm -hmm. uh, thank, thank you. Um, that, that kind of is what put me 
um, into the leadership role that I'm in now. I, I understood that um, now it's more, it's more than, you know, than just me out here that I'm representing. You become the voice for the voiceless. Mm. And, um, you know, I didn't take that, uh, <laughs> that responsibility lightly. Uh, I'm still navigating that space now as we speak, but I think it's just really important for us to be aware um, of our position, especially in our industry, because a lot of times, um, you know, a lot of those things get overlooked. Um, they're very much unspoken about. That's why I appreciate you, um, Jalila. I don't know if I said, uh -huh. said that wrong. Um, <laughs> for being a filmmaker and being able to tell our stories from our narratives, um, you know, especially as indigenous people, we're the original storytellers of the world. That's how we passed our traditions, our, our history is through oral. Um, so I, I, that's what I, when I think of being sustainable, um, when I think of uh, just being leaders and healers of the world, I think about us, you know, just overall being mindful of the way that we care for the land, the way we respect it and the way that we, um, you know, act accordingly. Yeah, I love that. So interesting. Who wants to go next? Um, what does sustainability mean to me? I guess, like, I didn't really, until about 2013, I was, I was working in hospitality and uh, nightlife, and um, I, had, I owned a restaurant, and I was the director of hotels, and I was working in publicity and PR, and I realized that everything that I was doing at that time was really to kind of pr promote overconsumption and, and overproduction of products, which was having detrimental effects on people and planet, like mm -hmm. where, where you're from, the Maldives or, or, or coastal areas all over the world, um, infecting indigenous people, infecting um, just every, every touch point. So it's really, it's what you were saying before about how we're all connected, really became super present to me in around 2013 when fashion revolution uh, kind of popped up and there was the factory that collapsed um, in Bangladesh that I'm not sure if you know that that is yeah and so all of these kind of things started to hit me and I realized that I myself was living a completely unsustainable life <laughs> and that what I was doing was actually promoting to others to kind of join me in this really harmful journey and so mm -hmm. when I kind of had that aha moment I realized that of course everything had to change and I didn't know what that was and I didn't even really know the meaning of it so I don't mm -hmm. know if I actually know it now but <laughs> that I kind of take it back to this the idea of sustainability means to sustain so to sustain life to sustain you know a quality of certain things um, so that you know we're not going to to into a, a deep dark and detrimental place and so the, the, i guess that means that what we're doing right now which is taking us down there we have to just very simply change what we're doing in order to to get to this kind of place of sustaining but actually when i think about sustainability we're kind of far beyond the idea that we just need to sustain we need to now regenerate so for me when people talk about what is sustainability to me or to us or what we need to do, I feel like it's actually more about how do we heal and how do we prepare and how do we regenerate and how do we do all of those mm -hmm. things to reverse all of the atrocities that we've committed to 
the land, the oceans, the people, and Mother Earth. So it's for me, sustainability means that we need to um, really regenerate and fix a lot of the errors in our ways. Yeah, yeah, that's a really I, good I way agree. to put like, it. Regenerate, regenerate is, is, a really, is a really good word to say. And that's kind of why I, I want to get into the planting of mangroves because, you know, so many mangroves in places like Florida, for example, so many mangroves would have been in Miami originally. And now it's just all built up hotels. And then they, they wonder why, you know, they'll get flooded or there's so much plastic pollution everywhere. And there's just nothing, there's nothing to help it. Um, and the same with what Veronica said, I think it's it's going back to basics. And I was actually in a Zoom chat recently and um, I was talking about a, there's a program on Netflix called, I think it's called The Biggest Little Farm or The Biggest Big Little Farm. And it's about how people, uh, a couple in Malibu, they wanted to have a farm, not use any bad pesticides. And it took them kind of seven years for this whole farm to kind of, work in unison together without something being eaten by another thing and like the mm -hmm. apples were being eaten by the bugs and someone in this zoom chat was um of indigenous australian um descent and she was saying it's funny how the white person and people in the west are like oh we need to go back to basics that's what indigenous people have been doing their whole lives and now we need their help when we have exploited them their whole lives and now we're asking for help which is it's embarrassing really but I'm glad we finally have gotten there to a point where we we realize we need people's help. Um, and hopefully enough of us understand that as well so we can continue it and move forward with that. Mm. Yeah, and it's like realizing, you know, we all exist in unison and together, like we said, and we all kind of need each other at the end of the day. And Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think in, in England, especially, we're, we're lucky because we don't get hugely bad weather that's going to affect us. I mean, we get a lot of flooding, but it's not like in, in the Caribbean, for instance, where you get a hurricane, it destroys the whole islands, you know? So the things we do in, in Europe affect small island communities like that. We don't get affected in England and Germany or whatever, you know? Mm. Um, and that's why we need to help restore these smaller communities. Yeah, and look at why that's happening too. And it's like generally those things are happening because of the habits and the lifestyles of, of people in the communities you're talking about, like in the Western world and yeah. in the UK and in mm -hmm. Europe. Um, what, how did you get into sustainability, Jenna, and like working in this space? And I guess you said you grew um, up in Cornwall. Yeah, we kind of, I mean, I, I, had a, I had a really nice kind of life where I lived at the back of a beach. So cleaning a beach was always a very normal thing to me because that's, you know, it's like clean your own house. You don't want it filthy. Um, and we kind of grew up with that mindset. And because I didn't grow up in a city, I got to London and I was like, why does no one care about like throwing trash on the floor and, you know, little things like that. And my mum's from Birmingham and she was like, you know, people have never even seen the ocean in certain cities. They don't understand that what they do in a city can end up in the ocean. Mm. And that's what got me thinking about, um, certain schools needs you know you need you need to learn about it from being a kid because else it's hard to learn things as an adult because we're so set in our ways unfortunately yeah um so I, I got into it <laughs> that I think and then uh as well like the other two were saying like being a model you have a platform and, and you need to utilize it because I've always said you know anyone can just post anything and it's it's not necessarily unique like 
it's Earth Day today. I'm seeing a lot of like yeah. you know, big fashion brands posting Happy Earth Day, and I'm like, mm. shop hey. our conscious collection. <laughs> Yeah, exactly, exactly. And like, you know, anyone can post anything and then tomorrow they'll be selling the same thing they were selling before. So I wanted to go an extra step ahead with that and 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 use my platform for something. So um, with my ocean conservation course last year, I was studying mangroves and I realized how important they were. And luckily I, I know a, um, a company that I proposed this idea to, and this is why we're starting this whole um, mangrove restoration in the Caribbean. So it kind of went from there and, and that was, it was from my platform and being able to, you know, meeting people from work and it just going from there. So, I mean, I'm very lucky and I'm very aware that that's not accessible for everyone. So I, I you have to utilize it if you've got it. Mm, definitely. And I, I, you know, for me, you know, I wrestle with the word sustainability because I, I thought I understood it a few years ago. And then I, until I removed myself completely and lived in rural parts of the world for a few months. And it made me realize like we don't, most of us don't understand what sustainability means. It is not a three-year plan. It is not a five-year plan. Again, it has to sustain and go on and take a life of its own. And, you know, even that example you mentioned uh, about the farm in Malibu is that it took them seven years to figure out. Again, I think we have this idea or, uh, you know, we are a generation of like instantly. You, you do something and you're expecting results right away or a response right away. And that's not how the rhythm of earth works. Um, so when I, you know, and I, I think sustainability has become such a, a branding and political and social word. And, and I think a lot of people are also scared to be called out for not being sustainable because mm. we are, again, in the moment of calling each other out, which we should. We should hold each other accountable. But I think we also have to understand the context and people's effort. You know, before you get your sustainable branding, can we really understand what what sort of sustainability you are operating on? Mm. You know, I, I see, you know, I'm originally from Ethiopia and I see many brands going for, you know, because we have a huge uh, market for cotton and coffee and so, you know, many mineral resources. And and I watch it. I Every time in rural part, I, I watch it. I watch a company go have meetings with local leaders and come with their expertise. And very rarely that they sit down and ask the indigenous people for their opinion, for their experts, because they've been there, they have many generations. And I see that in South America, in the continent of Africa, and in most indigenous places, in Hawaii, you know, mm -hmm. I'm sure where you're from, in Tonga as well. And so it's this, disconnect of I know better so I'm going to use my philosophy to show you what works best and I wish we had an open conversation instead of like uh, this blame thing we kind of tend to do I'm guilty mm. of it as well and uh, it's not our our uh, it's not within our power to be born where we are born just because you're born in certain part of the world should not it should not mean that you take the blame because this part of the world is impoverished. But I do 
feel responsible as an adult to understand my actions, to contribute as much as I can to the cycle of good, mm. right? I, I understand that um, even in the continent of Africa, I suffers from climate change the most. And then you look at the amount of ethnic conflict that happens in the continent, right? If we have enough resources, if we have, um, you know, if we're not, you know, dying from lack of rain because our farmers are not farming as much because they are indigenous people who live off the land who are pastoralists, they can't just migrate. And then you're creating some sort of animosity with the neighbor, with who, you know, who you're next to. So it, it goes on. It, I see it in the city, your zip code, you can tell how much pollution and how much um, lack of fresh produce is around your area if you look at your zip code. So those, even in New York City, when I look at certain apartments or homes that are near a train uh, track or a train, train station, which is many of us, just really understand how much pollution we are inhaling that climate change affects us as well. So I think it's, we have this notion of it's far away, it's not gonna affect me. No, it's affecting you directly. Mm. It's affect, affecting your skincare products, the clothes you wear, the food you eat, the air you breathe. You know, everything is so connected that we are so far from each other from having these kind of conversations mm. and feeling like, oh, I come from part of the world. How dare I make an opinion? How, have a input in this noise about a conversation because sustainability is not a trend for me. Yeah. It's more than it's people's lives. It's your, it's the young generation. It's us. Um, so it's, uh, it's deeper than just the products we create and how we amplify each other. So I leave it at that. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, I think when people think of climate refugees as well, they they assume in the West anyway, they assume it's going to be someone else. It's always someone else, someone far, far away. But a lot of people don't realize like America, for instance, the United States, there's climate refugees already. You know, mm -hmm. Texas froze over in February. No one would think Texas is going to freeze. You've got New Orleans, which suffers from hurricanes all the time. You've got Miami, which is basically flooding already. And it's it's wildfires in California. California yeah it's you know Manhattan is like downtown Manhattan will eventually flood and everyone forgets that it's right on your doorstep and that it's not far far away it's with us now and it's crazy to me that there's still people denying that when they are living in it mm. there's such a I can build on that a little bit too I, I totally agree I, re I remember um, it relates to the oceans too because um, I do I started a project last year with my friend Giada Lubromiski and um, the UN peace boat called Fashion for Oceans. And I remember starting that project because I got sick one day when I started, when I saw the fact of how much plastic is in the water from microplastics and microplastic pollution from the fashion industry. I just remember, I'm just getting like, I'm getting verklempt now thinking about it. Because <laughs> it's just like, holy crap, like this, is like a faucet of plastic that is just going into the ocean and it's caused by the fashion industry. And as you were, as you had just, all, all of you just noted and mentioned, it's so, it was, it, it debilitated me thinking that nobody is doing anything about it or nobody what would 
cared enough to stop this funnel of plastic that's just going into, and, and other pollutions that's going into the ocean at such an alarming rate. But it's, I attribute that to you know marketing. I attribute that to the really good job that these companies do to make us think that they're doing great for the planet mm. or, the, or to confuse us or to take our attention away from it or to you know take our attention over here when we really should be thinking about that. So you know it's such an unbelievable amount of um, dismantling such convoluted yeah. and con confrontational marketing that has been ingrained in us forever. And so, you know, one thing when I'm talking about clothing swaps with people, for instance, is, you know, I guess I, guess I understand about, I do understand a lot about communications and you can communicate one way, which is like, you know, you have to change and this is gonna, you know, like in a kind of a negative and dark and like really, confronting way which has a has a, an effect or you can do it in a way which we're all used to which is and like <laughs> which is through beauty through inspiration through kindness through all those things mm -hmm. which I think I I see in every single one of you that's on this call and um and we just have to keep plowing forward with more and more of those stories that we share because for instance when I came here to this hotel not, not to go on a diatribe, but when I came here to this hotel, the front desk managers asked me what we were doing. And I told them what we were doing. And I said, this is what happens with clothing in the fashion industry. And it was just kind of like, oh, mm -hmm. I had no idea. And we, you know, so it was kind of like, oh, it's like, I have that conversation on like, you know, <laughs> I have it down to like 30 <laughs> seconds. Like you scan my QR code and like, oh, geez, like <laughs> it just needs to happen. You know, here's the facts, babe. Let's just. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah. anyway, so no, it's my little it's, it's so true. I think in in one respect, it's in, important for big brands to be talking about it because it gets people who know nothing about it. It's kind of like an entry level, but I think it can be really taken too seriously from the wrong people. And like you said, distracts you from really more major and um, drastic parts of what's going on. Um, so definitely agree with you on that. Um, so let's move on to what are your main areas of concern and your personal missions? So for me, it's beyond kind of the environmental and economical, which are talked about a lot more widely, especially nowadays. But the social side of sustainability, I feel is something that's super overlooked and the humane aspects. And I think it's super interesting hearing about the indigenous communities who are affected so directly and at the kind of fault of others who have kind of no idea or are just ignorant to it. So what are your main areas of concern and your missions and like what you're working on in, the, in that space at the moment? Jenna, do you want to go first? Hi. Um, obviously, I can't. I can't speak on on the indigenous part. Mm. Um, but my main area is the quality of of our oceans and the coral reefs. So, a huge thing because of our warming oceans is actually that um, we're getting a lot more algae blooms. So, an algal bloom is. I don't know if you if you've lived near the ocean, you might have seen it. It's like when there's like a creamy layer of foam on the beach that's been washed up. And, and that is when there's too much overload of algae, um, which is caused by heat. Um, and it's also sometimes a mix of agriculture waste, which is farm runoff, all these, all these 
um, chemicals that farms use and they run, run straight off into the ocean, it can create this algae bloom. But because of the algae bloom, that then mixes with the heat of the water and actually makes it worse and it, it ruins the whole acidity of the ocean and um just from that the whole ecosystem is in you know turmoil because algae is actually helping us breathe at the end of the day it's creating oxygen for us so even just from that it's a huge you know knock-on effect for the rest of the ecosystem because you've got whales that need that rely on plankton and so forth and you've got You've got sharks who are at the top of the ecosystem and, and they're being killed at an enormous rate. Millions of sharks per year are getting killed when everyone kind of, I mean, Danielle knows how much I love sharks, um, but everyone kind of sees sharks as this bad thing because of the media and because of things like Jaws and just scared mm. of sharks and why, why do we have them? But they're, they're one of the main important things that are keeping the ocean healthy because they, they will get rid of and eat all the under, uh, other things which are unhealthy for the ocean, which have died, which can create that, you know, the rotting, the acidity in like a dying whale corpse, for instance, we need sharks to eat that, to mm. keep everything healthy. And, you know, without, Flowing without things like through. that, the whole ecosystem, yeah, the, the balance is just so off. And, and like, um, like Jal Jalila, Jalila was saying, everything's connected. So because of, you know, a shark, you then have something else that's that's in turmoil because of that. So for me, it's it's definitely a focus on the oceans. And of course, the the amount of plastic in the oceans as well, um, which is insane. And, you know, it's it's tricky to even eat fish anymore. And I know uh, Sea Spiracy's had a lot of of uh, complaints and like, the plus sides and good sides and bad sides to it. And I mean, we all have our own opinions of that, but it's not it's not just you know let's stop eating fish for example that's not that easy we have we have so many people that rely on selling fish as their income my father included so I, I come from a fishing community and it's it's not that simple just to stop eating fish because then you've ruined a lot of people's income um so that yeah that side of it for me I mean I could go on forever <laughs> about it but for me yeah the ocean side is is my is my main concern thank you I added on to what Jenna um, just said. Um, more than anything, misinformation is quite scary because mm. there's so much we have access to information, but I wish there was some sort of filter for accurate information. Um, and also just sort of the, um, the visual and emotional metaphors that we connect with. You know, I, I think what you just said again, sharks being the bad guys because of film cinema such as Jaws, right? So I think about that in the human context, in human stories, right? How we are able to connect with each other on a human level. Um, like um, recently, right now, um, you know, my country is going through genocide, watch, um, and it's quite scary. Um, but I've also realized that, you know, in, in any situation where there is um, a war or atrocities, it's women and children and the most vulnerable that is affected. Um, so you have, you know, a certain type of visual metaphor that is left from news, from media that is shared, mm. right? So it's, I'm scared. Um, 
of what our world is going to look like, how we relate to each other. Because that also creates conflicts, right? If there's no peace, we can't care for the environment, we can't care for each other. Yeah. Um, and also the environmental damage these sort of conflicts bring. Um, so I, I think about those things. So it's many layers. Um, and also like particularly to the fashion industry, I, I, I hope we do look at um, sustainability a little bit more deeper because uh, I, I see some, a lot of brands saying, oh, it's recycled plastic. Like, mm. It's all plastic. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, yeah I, also, I also say that to, to people if they're, they're drinking, I think smart water is made from recycled plastic. And I'm like, at the end of the day, you're sucking something that's made of oil. It's <laughs> disgusting, right? You, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't just straight up drink oil, that you're sucking something that is made of oil. It's, it's mm. never okay for, for your body, for your mind. Like, it's so wrong. Mm. And also, I think, uh, I wish there was also more information shared about not only this plastic that you just consumed from, it's this, you know, it's rubbish and where it ends up and how it affects the environment, but also what you're consuming, right? So there's a lot of um, studies done around plastic and the, um, you know, sort of like this, um, how it's affecting us genetically, fertilities mm -hmm. and just, as a human, our DNA and just composition, how we're made is being altered. Um, so there's, I mean, a lot of studies, I'm not gonna get into it, but personally our health is affected by yeah. this as well. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, just understanding the different um, children being born with certain type of syndromes and all of these food we consume. A lot of the farms are just popping up now used to be either a nuclear testing grounds or some sort of factory. Now we're growing food and labeling it organic. So yeah. like these are the things I wish there was a public education and yeah. as, as a society globally learning yeah. what's happening, what we're creating instead of just this closed mentality of like sustainable. Yeah. Really it's, it's I think it becomes quite elitist after that as well because you know you have people who have the education and who can afford things like, oh, I can buy a glass bottle of water instead of plastic one. You can afford organic, you can afford whole foods instead of having to go to a cheaper supermarket. So if you're poorer, you're more likely to get sicker. So it's so segregated now. And, and me and Danielle were having a, a conversation how it's such like a, you know, a Western thing to be like, oh, I'm, it's Earth Day, I'm gonna go to the coffee shop and use my reusable cup and my bamboo straw. but. It's way more than that, and and yeah. and there are people being hugely affected by that. Mm. I want to add to what Jenna was saying um, because a lot of times, like I got introduced to this work because of the position I was in, you know, the platform that I had. But a lot of these things that we speak on are things that I just grew up on. They were naturally a part of the way that I lived. Um, you know, I'm first generation of immigrant parents here in the States. Um, and so a lot of times, and this oftentimes I'm also told this too when I go back home, that we can't approach these issues with a Western school of thought because mm. that's where the disconnect is. Um, you know, and so I say that, you know, being introduced to the work, I, was, I, I grew up around this. There is a, a Hawaiian... Um, tradition that holds that uh, we're, we are direct kin with living elements of the native 
um, ecosystem. So when your gods are also your family, your relationship with nature is transformed. And so with us being in the Pacific, the water becomes part of our land. And so, you know, our ancestors are living off of it, we're feeding off of it, but we're also holding respect to it. Um, you know, I think about the, the community aspect that, that that had to have happened. And so when I think of like ways for us to approach this, like for me, like to not get so overwhelmed with what needs to be done, like the focus is always on the community and building the relationship because we are codependent on each other for, for things to thrive. Um, and so I'm, I'm learning that even in, in, in the spaces that I'm navigating now with just with the um, Pacifica community outside of the islands, because we're unaware of these things. Uh, like uh, Jolila said, like it's a, it's a buzzword, sustainability, eco-friendly, you know, organic, going to Trader Joe's, like it's cute. Is you know it's all cute to post for the gram, you know, <laughs> but like, you know, so like all, oftentimes, <laughs> like oftentimes, like the the especially because of the industry that we're in, it's just ironic that I just happen to be in it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it's totally against what you know <laughs> I grew up on. But um. You know, I think it's like a combination of like mixing old traditional indigenous knowledge with the new tech and the new mm -hmm. evolution of the way that we do things and, and finding that happy medium. But ultimately it's in the community. It's mm -hmm. the way that we treat each other. It's the way that we interact with each other. Um, again, the we versus me mindset comes into place because it's definitely a Western school of thought. Um, it's colonialism like yeah. through and through. And so I'm always myself trying to check myself, um, you know, when I'm approaching these things, when I'm speaking to things um, to make sure that I'm also like bringing in all the different perspectives. And again, um, making sure that I acknowledge the land that I'm on, acknowledge the, my ancestors that came, you know, acknowledging the, the information and then the, the sacred knowledge that's always been here. Um, but I just wanted to add to what, what, what all of you guys were saying. Yeah, no, that was actually one of my next questions as well. Just ways in which you're inspired by like the communities you grew up in and things that you potentially have picked up and and tried to do still even now living in New York so are there anything specifically aside from community as you said that how do you keep that balance when you're in a huge city and I think that's something that a lot of people really struggle with I think you know this sort of communities help I think having our you know model mafia, model activist group, it just these kind of conversation makes you feel like you're not alone. And you do have a, a like-minded community um, with you even in the middle of fashion industry or whatever industry you belong to. And I think the more active you are, then it brings you closer to more people who are like-minded. And um, yeah, that's how I, I sort of recharge myself. And, and also researching people who've dedicated their lives to improving our environment and are behind the research and behind institutes and just um, indigenous people, books and, and traveling. I mean, it's, it's a luxury. It's also, when I say traveling, I'm not talking about take a flight and go some, somewhere far yeah. exotic, but me just 
leaving my neighborhood and, and understanding the rhythm of life outside of my daily day, day to day interaction. Um, yeah, and then in the spirit of my indigenous ancestors, I will correct you all how to pronounce my name. <laughs> <laughs> please. please do, please do. Yes, please, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh my god! <laughs> it's so hard because it's not a, a vowel that people are used to uh, mm. on, you know, on the English language. So it's Galila. <laughs> Galila. Um, let's go back to you quickly, Patrick. Um, in terms of your main areas of concern and your mission, you've talked a lot about your clothing swap, um, and the fashion industry, but. Mm. What about, I mean, what exactly triggered you to be working more in that space? Some of the things that maybe um, you wanted to help resolve. Yeah. Um, I'm so, I'm just so inspired by all, all of you right now. I just want to say thank you before I answer that. So thank you. I'm just like, what an amazing, amazing group of people. <laughs> it's so nice. It's so amazing. <laughs> like, wow. I wish everybody felt like this. <laughs> like, it makes you feel like, like everyone there. does, and then you realize. <laughs> like, please, I don't want to leave this safe space. <laughs> uh, I, I also think that having a sense of humor is a really big part of it. So, um, mm -hmm. gosh, well, I mean, you know, I've always been like, I've always been a connector. I've always been a conduit. And so, like, I don't know why that is. I don't know why that has happened, except when I attribute it, I attribute it to me being bullied as a, as a young boy. And part of my survival when I came to New York City was having to fit in. And, and how I did that was, um, you know, through nightlife, as I was talking about before. Mm. Um, and what I did in nightlife was really about, kind of I put this social mask on and kind of did what I needed to do in order to survive in New York City. I'm not sure if anybody's ever experienced anything like that. And so um, I, for my formative years, I was kind of living behind this mat, the social mask, which was like kind of my protective mechanism. But in, in a way that, that mask allowed me to um, really understand people. So I kind of like looked through this mask and really kind of start, looked at people and analyzed you know, in a positive way, um, you know, what I could contribute to help make this person's experience better or brighter or what I could do to help contribute to making this situation better or helping just using my resources to those things. So as I started to get a little bit older and, and start to really understand like what I was doing, I kind of started to dismantle that. And then what I really started to understand what was happening was that I have kind of developed this skill, which whether it was intentional or not, was to connect people. So what I started to look at when I was bringing people together was there's this person over here that can work with this group over here, or there's these teams of people over here that need these tools over here, because that's I was constantly solving problems yeah. in my own life as a way to kind of like protect myself, because I always wanted mm -hmm. the attention not to be on me. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so lucky, <laughs> that that happened and um and now that's kind of what I've turned my role into what I see my role as being is like 
that's what global fashion exchanges, that's what the clothing swaps are. And that's about bringing the different communities together. And so I'm pretty, I have to say, I'm very, I, I, live, I live a very simple life. Like I have a, you know, 40 items of clothing. I just, you know, until recently, I didn't even have a house for the past five years because I was just kind of going around and doing these things and like landing where I landed. And um, so I kind of see things from a different perspective of, from the outside. But my, what I think my role is, is to, is to be able to connect people that need to be connected in a way, in a, and in a way where might, might take years and years and years because of the relationships that I'm, that I'm so grateful to have, to have because of the, the, you know, what I went through here in New York City, if that makes any sense. Yeah. So it's kind mm -hmm. of like, does that make sense? Am I making any mm -hmm. sense? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Stop rambling, girl. Stop rambling. So <laughs> no, you're like, not. <laughs> um, so it's like, I just feel so lucky that I, you know, I have the ability to have these relationships all over. And now we have these incredible, you know, Veronica, what you were mentioning before about taking the indigenous, um, you know, the incredible knowledge from indigenous cultures from all over the world and connecting it to technology. I really believe I really believe in that as well. And connecting mm -hmm. feeling and compassion and caring and empathy and all of those things to the tools that we have now, which is things like mm -hmm. this, Zoom. I mean, like mm -hmm. 10 years ago, can you imagine? Like somebody said that this would happen, like what? What are you talking mm -hmm. about? So use it, being able to really utilize all of the things that are in our toolkits to, mm -hmm. to empower and connect and strengthen. It's like, we all are almost like threads in this individual web of life in a way. And mm. each one of us is no more important than the next, because if you take one out, then the whole system changes. Mm -hmm. And so it's um, so I, that's how I see it. So it's like, how can I strengthen this community? How can I strengthen this web? How can I bring more? Not necessarily that I know everything, but how can I bring more access to knowledge? So like, I'm not a scientist, but I know a great scientist. So mm -hmm. like bring you know, my friend Amanda or I'm not yeah. at this or so, you know what I mean? So like, I never claim to be the one that knows anything, but I know the people that know it. So that's it. That's how <laughs> yeah, no, I totally relate to that as well. And I think the storytelling is such a big part of it, especially for people who have experienced specific things too, but also the research. And I think like we talked about earlier with big corporations and brands labeling themselves in a certain way or saying they're this or saying here yeah, recycled plastic or something but they they don't actually educate you that you're still drinking something that you could be consuming plastic because it's been sat on the shelf soaking it up <laughs> like however long it's 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 about transparency in brands which i think was definitely seeing more more of with new brands and sustainable brands but definitely the, the research and the education around it. And I think it's so hard for people to know where to start. So it's totally for me why conversations and sharing anything that you learn or know yourselves is so important just to kind of keep it kind of flowing and put it out there so that people catch it and, and take it on board in yeah. some way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Can I, share a funny, can I share a funny example? Yeah, go for it. Go. So there, do you guys know this company called Boxwater? Yes. Mm -hmm. So Boxwater is pretty amazing because they're kind of, you know, revolutionizing the water industry, I guess you could say. Um, and it was interesting because <laughs> that, it's kind of a joke, but not. But um, so 
the uh, the project that I'm doing right now is taking place in a hotel. And um, at previous previous to this, I was in another place, and um, I you know I'm not going to say anything about that other place that negative, but I kind of found myself in this space of people that weren't like minded, being the like minded, being the guy that is all about sustainability and mm. and all those buzzwords that was going to come in and make this place over there look sustainable so it was gonna all that feel-good marketing that they wanted and all that kind of stuff and I just kind of got a I got a weird feeling kind of halfway through it and then something happened and we are no longer there but I'm sitting here staring at this box of water and I just thought I would share the story and then the reaction so box water I I asked to come into the hotel to the place because um I when I walked into the place for the first time I noticed that there were plastic bottles sitting there and I thought, well, how can we be concerned about sustainability if this is what's gonna be like on the front desk, like when you're walking in? So I was like, okay, not everybody, you know, we'll, 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 we'll have these conversations and we'll get through it. And then, so I brought the sponsor in and, you know, the idea was that we were gonna replace all the bottles of water. And I was like, yay, win, you know, like super exciting. And then I just kept going and kept seeing the plastic bottles and kept seeing the plastic bottles and I kept seeing, and the plastic bottles just kind of like, arrived, kept, kept, kept showing up on the front desk. And so then somebody who's kind of up here in the hotel one day, I sat with them and I said, you know, I wonder when we're gonna start to put these on the front desk. And he was like, well, you know, we just have, we have so much of those, you know, we need to get through it. And you know, this stuff is, that's a little bit more expensive when we're just not sure if we're gonna be investing into that. And I thought, Okay, so I just didn't even know what I was going to say next, but this just kind of blurted out of my mouth. I said, well, how, I said, let's just do some simple math here. And since you have 150 rooms and you put two bottles of water in those rooms every day, those are probably getting drunk every single day. So 150 times X equals, you know, I did some simple math, probably wasn't correct. But I said, let's just say you have, you know, a thousand bottles, a thousand plastic bottles minimum that you're going through a week just by the hotel and then multiply that by four and then multiply that by 52 and then multiply that by 18 hotels that you have. And he looked at me and was like, and I said, yeah. So this one decision could actually really make a massive impact. So I'm, I want to encourage you to think about the extra couple pennies that you're going to be spending on this and the impact that you can make on the planet. So mm -hmm. it was interesting because when I broke it down that way, when we're yeah. talking about like, what are the little things that we can do in our lives? Like I was looking at in the chat over here and, you know, using a bamboo toothbrush may, me, may not make a massive impact, but things like that. It's so, it's so interesting to me where people are, they bring it, they boil it down to numbers and they think, oh, well, it's two pennies more mm. expensive. So I can't really you know, they don't look at it as an investment. They yeah. look at it as a... And like the interconnectedness anyways. of that as well, because you're not just not using a plastic one. You're actually, it's better for your personal health because you're not using more plastic in your mouth. It's better for the, the ocean because you're not putting more for landfill or whatever. It's not more plastic ending up in landfill. And you're potentially contributing to communities who are making the bamboo ones who are kind of more sustainable and ethical businesses mm -hmm. behind the scenes as well. And so yeah, it's all kind of a domino effect for, for the better, I think. <laughs>
Um, thank you all so much for your answers. I'm going to combine the last couple of questions, but what do you think we can do to be part of the solution, either big on a larger scale or a small scale, um, obviously beyond just like using keep cups and bamboo toothbrushes, which are amazing things to be doing, but <laughs> beyond that, as we've talked about, um, and since today we're, talk we're talking about intersection of everything, how do you feel we can begin to exist with more community and connection at the heart of what we do and how we live and how we interact with people in the world? So what kind of things can we do to be part of the solution and how do you feel, what's the future for us? Um, what are maybe a few important steps that we need to be taking in order to be more aware and conscious of how we're interacting in the world? And, and... I just wanna you know, piggyback off of what Patrick said. Um, being a connector, you know, I think that's the most important thing is understanding the spaces that we create to have the dialogue. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of people don't know about these things. A lot of people don't even, you know, just the idea of mindful living. I think that's the start. Like that's the the step in the right direction because for me personally, like I just get overwhelmed thinking about the the amount of work that needs to be done. Um, at from like the large corporation scale to like our everyday individual lifestyles. Um, and for me to stay, um, to stay inspired is by building with community and creating spaces uh, so that people can come to the realization, meeting people where they are, you know? Mm. A lot of this information is we, you know, we, we develop a passion for because we feel so connected to these things. So and then and now it becomes natural. But a lot of people are not there, especially with like young people. Um, I also feel like as millennials or me, I'll speak myself over, you know, as the millennials, like we are also the disconnect in the old generation and the young generation is us. You know, we're realizing that, yeah, some of the things that we were raised on that our parents taught us weren't right and we're questioning those things. Mm -hmm. And then Gen Z is like, really like, they don't give a damn. This is out here. And so we're like, the millennials are like, hold up, wait, you're right. But there's still some things that we have to hold sacred. Like, I'm, I get it, you know, I'm all for expression, but there are some things that are, you know, in our values and our principles that we have to carry with yeah. us. Um, that have been instilled in us so I, I believe in, in really just creating the space and having the um, the dialogue um, it, everyone who's here on this call you know we have a platform we are in an industry that's glamorized that's all popularized you know um, everybody wants to be a part of this especially when you're a young person and you're trying to find your voice you're trying to really um, you know figure out your identity expression becomes a big part of that and that's why fashion and music play such a big role in influencing young people so mm -hmm. I do uh, you know even though I'm, I'm in the industry and it's like I'm aware of all the things that like ironic that I'm, I'm here but mm -hmm. it's also at the same time this is what uh, this is what gravitates people to, to you when you can teach them to be more authentic and you can teach them to find their voice and teach them how to really um, connect with their person with their purpose and who they are um, I find a lot of times like that's how we can reverse these things because a lot of like the old ways now of um, trying to teach people is not working mm, you yeah. know so we have to we have to do that by embodying the message um, 
you know, I, I always like to feel like, you know, I'm I'm not Muslim, but I'm I'm participating in Ramadan right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of <laughs> thank you. A lot of times when I'm praying, I'm always praying for you know people to see the light in me. Like, you know, I'm just here to be a vessel. Let me lead with love. Let people see the work that you want done. Whatever you want to believe in, higher source power, you know. Um, and I, I think ultimately that's what it is. Like the the human aspect of it, because you really, uh, you, you know, you'll feel like discouraged thinking about the facts and the numbers, <laughs> you know, and just and like the amount of work. Like to me, it's like heart, you know, it's heartbreaking. But if if I'm looking at it like I have I have this life to really, you know, really fully experience and really fully embody what it means to live, um, then I want to make sure that I, I live it, you know, to the fullest and make sure that, you know, everyone that I meet, every room that I walk into, that I'm a light. And mm. it's not in my will. Oh, it's not about me. <laughs> yeah. um, so I, I just think, that, you know, for people just to, uh, to simplify everything is just create the space, whether it's between you and one other person or you and 10 people, you know, it, it's a start. Mm, yeah, I think I think education is a, is a huge thing. I think being in communities like this, you kind of forget that people don't necessarily know what what we're about. And like, for instance, I, I went into a coffee shop and I said, hey, can I have my coffee in this cup? Gave them my cup. And then I watched them make it with their cup and then pour it into that cup. And I was like, well, that defeats the point. And they were like, defeat the point of what? And I said, well, that can't be recycled. That's got plastic lining in it. It's not just paper. It might look like paper, but there's plastic in it at the end of the day. And they were like, ah, that you could see the clogs ticking and you just do forget that people just grow up and you don't get that education and to to carry on and continue to speak about what what you're passionate about is so important. And and like Patrick and Veronica, you both said, it's connecting with people because then you learn more. You learn different people's aspects and that's really important um yeah the common thread is compassion and love i guess that's for me um it's okay not to know and we shouldn't punish people for not knowing you know i i learned from learning and watching people and speaking with people and it's so much of us we don't know about what to do how to do it and it can be overwhelming to all of Mm -hmm. a sudden okay how do i remove plastic from my life how do i move to more sustainable tools and ways to incorporate and it starts slow and small and and i think our intentions are a lot more the most important thing more than just saying okay i uh, i throw away all my plastic bag but what's next um and also acknowledging um, what's important for each of us should also be validated amongst us you know, what one group of people need to thrive and survive, uh, help them. Uh, just because it doesn't affect me doesn't mean I shouldn't contribute mm. to your life. Um, like Veronica said, it's, I think it's quite beautiful that you are participating in this, re- you know, religious fasting practice, although that's not faith you follow. I think it gives you a better understanding of what people going through Ramadan feel right now, right? Mm. And also, I think about um, in certain, you know, it, it's such a privilege to choose, right? It's such a privilege to say, uh, I don't want this plastic water 
I, I want a glass of water, if you don't have the means to afford the other option. Mm-hmm. Especially right now with this, you know, the virus and the pandemic, a lot of people have lost their jobs, families, a lot of people are fighting mental health, isolation, all of that. Um, so I, I try to kind of have compassion, you know, it's a privilege to choose to a lifestyle, right? Unfortunately, you know, I, I look at when I go home and I'm amongst the indigenous tribes and their way of life is literally on touching the earth, you know? And then I'm like, wow, we go on vacation so we could feel this way. Mm, yeah. This way of life for them, right? It takes a lot. We're so removed from our mm-hmm. natural ways. We live in high rise. We live in we take the train. We take, you know, we're so removed from the earth, from, from the water, from everything. So it's going to take time. And I think us waking up, a society who are trying to do better, it's going to leave a, a really large footprint in encouraging and mm. making people who think like like it's doable yeah you know so and positive. like my yeah i'm inspired like my best friend became you know started this pop-up fridges kind of all over brooklyn and some part of the city in manhattan it's, she realized there's huge lines at the food bank and most of the time they're getting canned foods right that means low income and people who are part of a certain socioeconomic status are going to have uh, obesity issues, health issues, because they're going to, the access they have is to canned food and a lot of preservatives. So she did this fresh produce, mostly organic products that she kind of gets sponsored from different farmers and markets and organization. It's a fridge, you open, you take what you want. It's with dignity. There's no sign up. There's no line you 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 take what you can and leave what you can and i feel like moments like these people who do this sort of uh gear to action give me hope that it is doable because it is really about showing up for each other and it it really trickles into a a bigger footprint yeah giving a hand and like when you're at the top sending the elevator back down it's one of my favorite quotes patrick i know you have to jump off so let's just finish with you quickly and then you can head back to the swap thank you um it's a tough one i think yeah it's i think we need to listen more Mm -hmm. i think people don't listen like that's what makes me sad like there's so many times that i'm like i'm not sure if you guys have ever been in a situation when you when you are, when you are distraught or you're trying to communicate that you need help or something like that and people just kind of cut you off and they don't they don't they're not they don't have an interest in actually really listening I guess yeah. is what I'm going to say yeah. so, and I don't know if it's actually if it relates to this specifically but I feel like we don't listen to each other we're not listening to these incredible stories that I just heard here with you about what's happening all over the world. We're not yeah. listening to the mother earth. We're not listening to the oceans. We're not listening to the people. We're not listening to the forest. We're not listening to, we're just not listening. Mm. And so yeah. I think if that makes any sense, like metaphorically or yeah. theoretically or whatever, really, we just need to listen. It's so I think. True. And I, cause yeah, I just, cause I, when you, when something really hits you and, and I love what you we're saying about we can't punish people for not knowing. You're mm-hmm. absolutely right. And then 
So it's about the delivery of the message and the delivery of that information. That's super important. But so many times I've been in, in meetings or conversations with one person or a group of people, and it just seems like there's a lot of talking at. Yeah. And so I feel like <laughs> I've never been there. Like, girl. So we gotta, I feel like we've got to listen because the world is like, the world is screaming at us right now. Yeah. Like, that's so true. Stop. Yeah. So that's definitely. Nice. And along with listening, yeah. I think asking the questions too. I think that's something we need to get better at, for sure. Yeah. Well, thank you, Patrick. If you need to run, I'm going to let you off. And then thank I think you. we can just finish. Thank if you. anyone has any questions, you can use the chat. But thank you I for joining. Do. Thank you. Such a, so empowering all of your voice. I'm going to connect with all of you if I haven't already and follow and share. And hopefully I can learn more about you. And I just am so grateful for every single one of you and all the actions that you take. I hope that we we get to the next Earth Day and it's better, yes. we're in a better place than we were, we are now. That's and a really on. nice and message we'll to all of your, all of your friends. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'm gonna leave it there for the rest of you guys as well. Um, it's been so inspiring listening to you guys and having everyone together in the same room. So thank you so much for taking the time and sharing your stories. It's been just so, so, so good. So good to meet you and to speak with you guys. you enjoyed this episode of the podcast it was slightly different but I love having a lot of people involved to share their own personal stories and to just have a lot of different insights and angles it creates more of an authentic conversation and makes space for lots of new ideas too so it always ends up being just so much more interesting if you did enjoy this episode please do share it with friends or family that you think might enjoy it too and also do leave a rating or a review as it really helps the visibility of the podcast and for other like-minded people to find it too. I'll also leave links and resources from our panellists so be sure to check those out. Thanks for tuning in and I'll see you again soon.